I've entitled this a very sacred work. But you notice the question, what is your view of working at Wildwood? Do you see the sacredness of the work that is taking place here? Or is it like an, any other job, just another job? That's the danger that we face. So we're going to study about that tonight. I don't have it on this screen either. I may be able to read it off the back. <laughs> well, this probably, there's a button here. Yeah, we're going to be ready. All right, I think we're ready. A very sacred work. You can analyze your past performance as we go through this. If it works. Hmm. I don't know whether I'm the only one that has trouble, but last Friday night I spoke, this wouldn't work either. Yeah, it's turned on. It's green. But nothing happens. We start out with a text that... Uh, Kind of an interesting text, Isaiah 49, verses 2 and 3. And he hath made my mouth like a sharp sword. Now, obviously, God is involved here. This is not the way human beings are. But God is saying, and he hath made my mouth like a sharp sword in the shadow of his hand hath he hid me. Two special blessings we start out with. The activity of God to make his mouth do something worthwhile. And second, he was hidden in the shadow of God's hand and made me a polished shaft. Now we... We don't usually deal with bows and arrows, and so that may not seem like an exciting thing to us, but this is, in the original setting, is another blessing, that God had made him a polished shaft in his quiver, hath he hid me. Now, if you're going to use a bow and arrow, you want to have one that's really good. And so this is talking about an individual that God has made very good and said unto me, Thou art my servant, O Israel, in whom I will be glorified. Do you want to be a worker 
that fulfills that text, that God is able to glorify his name through you. Now skipping down to verse uh, 6, says, And he said, It is a light thing that thou shouldest be my servant to raise up the tribes of Jacob. I had to read that a few times. He's saying, it's no problem. I'm God. So it's a light thing for me to do that. But I'm not going to just do that. And to restore the preserved of Israel, I will also give thee for a light to the Gentiles, that thou mayest be my salvation unto the end of the earth. So God is saying, it's a small thing. It's a light thing for me to make you able to wake up the people of Israel and get them in a state of revival. And But I'm not going to stop there. I'm going to use you to wake up the world as well. Now, here is one application of this text. Found in the Seventh Testimonies, page 191. This is the word of the Lord to all who are in any way connected with his appointed institutions. Now, that text that I just read is right before that sentence. So it is applying that text to everyone that works in one of God's institutions. This is the word of the Lord to all who are in any way connected with his appointed institutions. And so the question tonight is, is that the kind of instrument you are? Is that the way God is able to use you? If so, then you are fulfilling the destiny that God has in mind. But if that's not true, in some degree, God has something better for you. It says, they are favored of God, for they are brought into channels where the light shines. I don't know how you felt when you first came to Wildwood, but when we first came to Wildwood back in 1970, we had never heard the light that was presented here in this place. And I grew up a Seventh-day Adventist and was trained to be a pastor, but I heard things here that I never heard any other place, wherever I had been. So it's very true. When God brings people to his institutions, they are favored of God, for they are brought into channels where the light shines. God loves to shine light upon his institutions. They are in his special service, and they should not esteem this a light thing. In other words, you, you should consider very special to be a worker in Wildwood or any other institution, for that matter, that belongs to God proportionate to their position of sacred trust should be their sense of responsibility and devotion. So we have two things mentioned here that it should give us 
a deep sense of responsibility with the light that has been shining upon us and that we now are going to shine upon others. And also the devotion that we have in the work that we're doing. Cheap, common talk and trifling behavior should not be tolerated. Now that sounds like administration has a responsibility, but we also have a responsibility not to tolerate that in ourselves because we are involved in a sacred work. Because of that, cheap talk, common talk, uh, trifling behavior is totally out of place in one of God's institutions. A sense of the sacredness of the place should be encouraged and cultivated. As I read some of those sentences, I said, I had been praying. I said, Lord, what do I talk about on Friday night? And as I was praying, I came across those sentences. And I saw that's what God wanted me to talk about tonight. Because this is a very important matter. A sense of the sacredness of the place should be encouraged and cultivated. So just in case anyone has failed to realize what a sacred place you are in, it is appropriate to be encouraged and to have someone try to cultivate more of that spirit. Page 191 says, there are many who recognize no distinction between a common business enterprise as a workshop, factory, or cornfield, and an institution established especially to advance the interests of the cause of God. So it wouldn't be surprising if there were some people here at this institution who did not realize how important the work is that God has called you to do and how sacred it is. It says many there. There are many who don't recognize the difference between, you know, isn't it interesting, the illustrations that were given? There's a difference working on a farm somewhere else and working on a farm at Wildwood. There's a difference in working in a shop here and working in a shop someplace else. And then, of course, what about the special ministry of ministering to people's health as they come here? But the same distinction exists that in ancient times, God placed between the sacred and the common, the holy and the profane. Now, to work on another farm is not profane, but uh, in God's work, it can be made profane, and we need to know the difference. Notice this. This distinction, he desires every worker in our institutions to discern and appreciate. So, the question has to be before us tonight. Were you looking at the work here as the same as if you did the same job someplace else? Was it 
that you didn't recognize the difference of doing that job in this place <coughs> versus doing it in another place? <coughs> that is the problem that many have. But if we discover we have the problem, God is not trying to condemn us. He's just trying to say, wake up. You're in a very sacred place. And the work that you do has to be in harmony with the sacredness of the place in which you are working. Goes on to say, those who occupy a position in our publishing houses, but you remember it said, all our institutions, so I put sanitariums in there, are highly honored. Have you considered it a high honor for God to call you here and to be able to work in this place? That's the way he wants us to see it. It's a high honor. It's not because we're so great, but it's because he wants to make us great. A sacred charge is upon them. They are called to be workers together with God. In his institutions, we don't have to work alone. Now, some people may try to work alone, but they don't have to because God wants to team up with every one of us here. They should appreciate the opportunity of so close connection with the heavenly instrumentalities and should feel that they are highly privileged in being permitted to give to the Lord's institution their ability, their service, and their unwearying vigilance. Three very important things. Ability, their service, and unwearying vigilance. Now, it doesn't say anything about pay here, but I would suggest that this is saying, don't worry about how much you're paid. Make sure that you're interested in using your ability to the full extent, your service to the full extent, and your unwearying vigilance. They should have a vigorous purpose, a lofty aspiration, a zeal to make the publishing house just what God desires it to be. And what is it that he desires it to be? A light in the world. A faithful witness for him. A memorial of the Sabbath of the fourth commandment. You know, the Sabbath is to remind us of how distinct we are to be in every aspect of life. And so when we work at an institution, he is calling us to make this institution a light in the world. Now, the thing that could hurt us the most is that we get satisfied to be a small light. But I don't think that's what it's talking about in the paragraphs we're going to read tonight. It's talking about being a bright light. You know, there's a difference <laughs> in how much good takes place when you have a small light versus a bright light. And everyone contributes 
to how bright the light is. And so as we look at what God wants to do with us, we can see it's a very important work that we're involved in. Also on page 192, it tells us some inside story. In every room in the publishing house or sanitarium, where work is done, there is a witness taking note of the spirit in which it is performed and marking the fidelity and unselfishness revealed. So the angels are there because the angels understand how important this institution is to the cause of God. Because they understand it, they're there watching to see what goes on. And they are made sad if the wrong kind of things go on, or if people don't put their whole heart into it, or don't rise to the level that they could, that makes them very sad. He's also noticing the spirit, or in other words, the attitude by which they're, they're working. Are they thinking, well, you know, this is not a very important task. It doesn't really matter how well I do it or whatever. They're noticing the spirit. They're also and marking the fidelity, the faithfulness with which the task is done. Because the more faithful it is, the more the light shines and people notice the difference. <clears throat> and the third one, and unselfishness revealed. In all kinds of ways of life, we reveal our unselfishness or our selfishness. And so the angels are watching and they're hoping that here at this place, they will find people who are completely uh, loving what they're doing. If not, they're praying hard, they will love it. And that they are faithful in all that they're given to do and that what they do demonstrates unselfishness. God regards his institutions as the centers through which he works in a special manner. It's one thing to work by ourselves somewhere, but when we are at an institution, then God works in a very special way in that institution. May he portray these things to your minds by his Holy Spirit, that you may understand the difference between common and sacred service. So the Holy Spirit is ready to help every single person that comes to Wildwood, whether a student or worker, and to reveal to them that you have come to a very important place. And that God has a very important work that he wants to accomplish through all of us as we work together. Now you notice the mention of the sacred and the common, which reminded me of a story, a very sad story, in the Old Testament, Leviticus 10, verses 1 and 2. 
and Nadab and Abihu, the sons of Aaron, took either of them his censer and put fire therein and put incense thereon and offered strange fire before the Lord. Now you've probably read this story, but when the sanctuary was started, and this was shortly after the sanctuary was started, God lit the fire from heaven. And their job was to keep that fire burning and never use any other fire but what God kindled. And so these two priests, they became unaware of that. And so they took fire that didn't come from God and put it in their censer. That's why it calls it strange fire. And offered strange fire before the Lord, which he commanded them not. And there went out fire from the Lord and devoured them, and they died before the Lord. Wow, now some people today would read that and they would think God was at fault here, that he really was unfair to these men. But you know, in the judgment day, nobody's going to be able to convince God that he did anything wrong. And so our job needs to be f to figure out how it was that God did right here. And a little bit later on, it, it does explain in verses 8 to 10. And the Lord spake unto Aaron, saying, Do not drink wine, nor strong drink, thou nor thy sons with thee, when ye go into the tabernacle of the congregation, lest ye die. So here's the explanation. What have they been doing? They've been drinking alcohol. And as a result of that, they lost their sense of the difference between the sacred and the common. It shall be a statute forever throughout your generations, and that ye may put difference between holy and unholy, and between unclean and clean. So God was demonstrating once and for all there's a huge difference between the sacred and the common. Now the Bible does say in times of ignorance that God winked at, and there's a lot of people that didn't drop dead because they didn't work in the right way at one of his institutions. But there is a demonstration here of the seriousness of not understanding that this is a sacred work. And of course, some jobs, it may take more uh, awareness than others. Uh, it's probably not too hard for the chaplain to realize he's doing a sacred work. But the one that's cutting the grass, the one that's fixing the cars, and the one that's doing the maintenance, but there's no distinction here of what department we are in. Every department is a department that is sacred. And the way in which the work is carried on is to be done the way God needs it to be done. If we lose that awareness or don't develop that awareness, you know, wouldn't it be something? I don't think God will do this, but wouldn't it be something if one day everyone who is working at the job as a common job 
drops dead? That would sure be a shocker, wouldn't it? Now, as we look at this, we're liable to think, well, nobody at Wildwood drinks alcohol, so we don't need to worry about that illustration. But you know, there's a lot of things that make people drunk. The problem with drunkenness is that the person is not aware of what they need to be aware of. That's the problem. And the devil has been multiplying things today that put people in a position where they're not aware of what they need to be aware of. And so this is far beyond just drinking alcohol that this is talking about. Anything that would destroy our awareness of the sacredness of the work is making us drunk. And so it might be different things for different people, but we need to ask the Lord to reveal what is it that's keeping me? It might be failure to have devotions. It might be that we just, we just go to work day after day and we don't have a spiritual experience and we hope the Sabbath can make up for it, you know, and therefore we're not aware of how sacred a task we're involved in. But God wants us to recognize there's a big difference between the sacred and the common. Here was their problem, Patriarchs and Prophets 362. Their minds became confused and their moral perceptions dulled so that they could not discriminate the difference between the sacred and the common. That was the problem. Alcohol was simply the vehicle, but the problem was they didn't understand the difference between the sacred and the common. Page 193 of Seventh Testimonies, it says they, meaning workers, should be faithful guardians of its interests in every line. You know, we can even damage the institution by criticizing the leaders, criticizing this person or that person, and you know, passing around stories that aren't true, and, and so it begins to demoralize some of the attitude of people. But it says that we should be faithful guardians of its interests in every line, seeking to shield it, not only from loss and disaster. So, you know, there's, there's danger of financial loss, uh, loss of influence, and every worker is to stand a guardian to make sure that there's no loss, no disasters that damage the institution. But from all that could profane or contaminate. So anything that would drag down the high spiritual tone of the institution, anything that would unfit us to be able to accomplish the mission we need to watch against that. Never through act of theirs should its fair fame be tarnished. Even by the breath of careless criticism or censure. So we are to watch that this institution has a, a holy name, 
a name that's highly regarded by those even outside of the institution, but especially among us, God's institutions should be regarded by them as a holy trust to be guarded as jealously, jealously as the ark was guarded by ancient Israel. Wow. How careful would we be if we were taking care of the ark of God? You know, that was Uzzah's problem. He didn't recognize the sacredness of doing it the way God said. And so he put his hand on the ark and died. Again, a lot of people think that was pretty mean of God to kill a man for just trying to protect the ark from, you know, falling off the cart. But again, we're not going to find any traction for criticizing God in the judgment. He could have understood what he was supposed to do and that that was not something, and he could have trusted that God could protect his ark, and, and he didn't need him to do it. But he didn't do that. He did not realize the sacredness of that ark. And so here, working in the institution and guarding everything about the institution, we are to be as jealous to guard the institution as we would the sacred ark. When the workers in the publishing house or sanitarium are educated to think of this great center as related to God and under his supervision, so we are to see this institution under God's supervision. When they realize that it is a channel through which light from heaven is to be communicated to the world, they will regard it with great respect and reverence. This belongs to God. It doesn't belong to any human beings. Oh, yes, there's a constituency, there's a board, and there are uh, an executive committee, and there's, there's an organized plan, but it belongs to God. They will cherish the best thoughts and the noblest feelings that in their work they may have the cooperation of the heavenly intelligences. Here again, we come back to the cooperation. Do we want to work alone? Do we want to try to accomplish what all of us can do alone without God? Or... Do we want to accomplish what we can do when we are connected with God? And I wonder, if he were to evaluate us, how efficient would we be? 25%, 50%, 75% of our potential? Would we be, I doubt we'd be at 100% because there's too many still learning the sacredness of the work. But wouldn't it be something to have an institution that was at 100% efficiency because everyone was doing what we're talking about tonight and therefore God could work with them so powerfully that it would 
it would be amazing what they could accomplish. <clears throat> As the workers realize that they are in the presence of angels whose eyes are too pure to behold iniquity, a strong restraint will be placed on thoughts, words, and actions. They will be given moral strength. Isn't that something we all want? God will give us moral strength. For the Lord says, them that honor me, I will honor. Wouldn't we all like to be honored by God? Every worker will have a precious experience and will possess faith and power that will rise superior to circumstances. Now, the testimonies tonight didn't know what I was going to talk about, but we saw that in every testimony, didn't we? that God causes people to rise above the circumstances and situation, all will be able to say, the Lord is in this place. You know, every person that comes here, even every visitor, that's what God wants them to say. You know, when I went to Wildwood, the Lord was in that place. Page 194, the first lesson to be taught the workers in our institutions is the lesson of dependence upon God. Now, how is he going to teach us to be dependent on him? He's going to have to let a lot of things go wrong. He's going to have to let us be without the money we might need or whatever else can happen so that we can learn to depend on him. I praise the Lord that we got out of the city. You know, that looked like an impossible task. <laughs> but the Lord sent the right person, and he worked it out. So God wants us to learn dependence on him. Before they can attain success in any line, they must, each for himself, accept the truth contained in the words of Christ. Without me, he can do how much? Nothing. Can't preach a sermon without him. Can't teach a class. Can't fix a car. Can't do anything without him. Therefore, our connection with him is extremely important because that is what enables us to do properly whatever it is that we do. That's, what does it say? The first lesson that every worker at an institution needs to learn. Righteous, <clears throat> in view of our Sabbath school, this is quite an interesting statement. Righteousness has its root in godliness. No human being is righteous any longer than he has faith in God and maintains a vital connection with him. Two things to make us righteous. Faith in God 
and a vital connection with him. If we don't have those two things, we're no longer righteous. So God is wanting everybody at an institution to be righteous. And it is possible for everybody to be righteous, but they have to have faith in God and they have to have a vital connection with him. And then I, I just took part of a sentence. Before the Lord can use him effectively. So if we don't have faith in God and we don't have a vital connection with him, then he cannot use us effectively. Just as plain as that. So in closing, page 196. Into our daily work, we are to bring devotion, piety, godliness. If you carry on your business without this, you make the greatest mistake of your lives. Three things, devotion, piety, godliness. If we don't have those things, we are throwing away our opportunity to work for him. That's what he wants to do for every worker that is working for him, to cause them to have a spirit of devotion, to have piety. Now, that word has kind of gotten tarnished by the way some people look at it. A pious person is not someone that's showing around all of his holiness to everybody and trying to, you know, like the Pharisee. That's not what piety is. Piety is genuine. It's, it's a genuine godliness. Then it says, not only is the individual making the greatest mistake of, of your lives, you commit robbery toward God while professing to serve him. So we are, end up robbing God of the results that he could have, of the accomplishments that could take place through the institution. We're guilty in the books of heaven of robbery. Now, as you think about some of the sentences that were in this presentation, you can see that it's pretty strong language. And why? Because our publishing houses were not like that. And God was trying to make them like that. He wasn't uh, pleased with the way it was. And he wanted to make it the way it should be. But it wasn't just for the publishing houses. It was for all institutions that are raised up by God to do a special work for him.